We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Your Cleveland Browns lose to the Baltimore Ravens 28-3. This podcast has uh, some initial discussion that needs to happen right around why the game went the way it did, some of the letdown involved in this one. So you get a little opener from me on the statistics. Then you get myself, Brad Ward, Andrew Spade in the postgame show where I think I covered pretty much all of my thoughts around concerns with especially the offense And then at the end, you get myself and Kelby again on fit check. Even if they lose, we're going to do fit check to try to lighten the mood of what can be a frustrating at times scenario for your Cleveland Browns. So listen, we got it all covered for you here. We'll get more deep dive by the end of the week, I promise, and try to get you the answer on what happened in this game. But for now, good podcast, smart people. Let's talk about what happened in the Browns loss on the latest OBR film breakdown. All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome in. Browns lose 28-3. Really frustrating uh, effort, performance, all the above. Uh, we're going to go through just some quick statistics on the game and then pass it over to the post-game show, which I think, like I said, it covered pretty much all of my initial thoughts pre-All-22 watching, so we'll get to that. In this one, the Browns go um, first downs for each team. Sorry, first downs uh, 16 for Baltimore, 13 for Cleveland. Baltimore, 4 of 12 on third down, 4 of 16 for the Browns. 269 net yards for the Ravens, 166 for Cleveland. Uh, Offensive plays, 65 for the Browns, 55 for the Ravens. The Ravens average 5.4 per play. The Browns just 2.6. A rushing net of 93 yards, aided by a last drive long run of 40 yards by Pierre Strong. Otherwise, the, the rushing performance was pretty bad. 131 rushing yards for the Ravens, who found... For the first time this year, some real run game success against the Browns. We need to peel back how that happened. The passing net, 165 for the Ravens, only 73 for the Browns because of sacks. Penalties, 8 for the Ravens, 7 for the Browns. Ravens ultimately gave up more yardage, 92-42. to Browns, 3 turnovers, 3 interceptions, just 1 for Baltimore on a fumbled handoff. 8 punts for the Browns, 7 for the Ravens. And then obviously the huge difference here is that the Ravens get 4 touchdowns to the Browns' 1 field goal. Time of possession, ironically, pretty much identical. On the Ravens' side, Gus Edwards, 15 carries, 48 yards. Justice Hill, 3 for 33. Lamar ran 9 times for 27 yards. 
Obviously, two key touchdowns. Melvin Gordon, three for 21. Lamar, 15 of 19, an efficient 186 and two touchdowns. Mark Andrews, five catches, 80 yards, two touchdowns to lead the Ravens. Three catches, 56 for Zay Flowers, including a big catch on a scramble drill, 43-yarder up the right sideline. Melvin Gordon, one for 23 on a little rail route against JOK, perfectly thrown ball. Patrick Ricard, a 14-yard catch, two catches for Devin DuVernay for eight, one catch for Nelson Aguilar. Roquan Smith was everywhere defensively for the Ravens. He had 10 total tackles. Kyle Hamilton had five tackles and an interception. Patrick Queen had five tackles. Arthur Millette had five. You had interceptions by Geno Stone and Brandon Stevens. And then sacks in this one. Patrick Queen had a sack. Washington had a sack. And Justin Matabuke had a sack for those three. For the Brown side, Pierre Strong runs five times for 49 yards. Like I said, largely aided by that. End of game run for 40. Jerome Ford, 9 for 26 at just 2.9 a clip. Dorian Thompson-Robinson, 4 for 24. Kareem Hunt, 5 for 12. Uh, Elijah Moore, 1 for negative 20. Cannot keep handing him the football. Thompson-Robinson goes 19 of 36, 121 and 3 interceptions. David Njoku goes 6 for 46. Elijah Moore, 2 for 20. Jerome Ford, 5 for 19. Amari Cooper, 1 for 16 despite 6 targets. Four targets to DPJ. He catches one for seven. Jordan Akins, one for six. Cedric Tillman, one for five. Harrison Bryant has one catch for two yards. Marquise Goodwin has a singular catch and no yards. And Anthony Walker leads all tacklers with eight. JOK with seven. Juan Thornhill with seven as well. Um, Dalvin Tomlinson split a sack with Jordan Elliott. Obania Okoronkwo had his own sack in this one, as did Miles Garrett. It is uh, pretty bleak, though. Listen, it was... Uh, it was an ugly game. Starts off with ugly news that Deshaun Watson wasn't going to play. And we'll talk about it in the show here. It felt like the Browns had no real plan for another quarterback coming in this game. I, I put it this way, and, and I'll talk about it in the show. I, I really don't want to repeat too much stuff here. I don't quite understand if they went the whole week without Watson throwing much. How they could go into this game with Dorian Thompson-Robinson with the plan they had in place, feeling good about that plan, which really gave him zero help against what Deshaun Watson typically gets to alleviate the burden, make things easier on a young quarterback. Because there were people with a lot of confidence in Dorian Thompson-Robinson, you know, to the point that when Watson was struggling throughout the early portions of this, uh, you know, these early weeks, there were folks that tried to say, could it get worse if he played? And, and the preseason fools everybody. It happens every single year. But I'm telling you, they had trust in this young man to rip it early and often. They were giving him the green light. There was very little schemed up dynamic help for him. We talked about the empty stuff. The Browns ran 12 snaps of empty. That puts him at second among all rookie quarterbacks in snaps and empty. And yeah, that includes Anthony Richardson. That includes Bryce Young and obviously CJ Stroud too. I just, I really cannot fathom what they're doing on offense right now and how they think this is going to drive them to success later on in the season. Obviously those big moments, it's hard to, it's hard to envision right now with the general structure of this. And you might be saying, well, what do you mean by the general structure? I'll come back and talk to you guys about that later this week. But for now, 
really disappoint. You have to hold the hand of these young quarterbacks through these games, provide them ways to get through it without shooting themselves in the foot, hurting the team, hurting the defense, and they did not do any of that. They threw him to the wolves, and and maybe they thought he could handle that, but if you don't know that this young man can't handle it and the way he proved that he can't handle it, then that's jarring for your self-scouting and self-preparation you know, in terms of knowing your personnel. Let's, let's put it that way. So it is an ugly performance by the Browns, but it doesn't define their season, which is what I try to talk about in the postgame show. It's 2-2, two and two, not where we probably would like them to be. It could be worse. It could be better. But there are real concerns to be working on at the bye week, which might come at the right time, despite you know my uh, general angst about having it so early. But it might come at the right time so that you have a gigantic portion of your season to fix these issues. We'll see. But for now, I, I think that you got to remind yourself that they're two and two in the season. You know these ebbs and flows, the up and down. the 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 root of my offense take is, guys. If you've been listening to this show, it goes back to, it goes back to last year, middle of last year, when when things started to break down for what they wanted to be and where I thought the NFL was going. And uh, let's just leave it at that. This that take is not an an up and down thing. This is. You know, the, the idea that they should make brash decisions off of a game, that's what I'm talking about. It's 2-2 two and two the season can still be very well defined in the coming weeks. Um, we're just too early for all of that right now. So just because I'm down on what happened, and that's a part of my larger offensive take, I'm not calling for anything crazy, and we're obviously understanding that the season isn't defined and they can fix this. But it's a willingness, it's a desire to fix it that we need to see come to fruition, recognizing the problems and forming real quality, like tangible solutions to these issues. So we'll, we'll see if they can get there. It's going to really define the whole thing later on, and it's going to determine where the future of the organization goes, if you ask me. But we'll get to that. Let's go over to the postgame show with Andrew and Brad. It is, uh, again, a reminder that's every Sunday at 730 if it's a primetime or late game then it will be directly after that one. But the Browns play mostly 4 o'clock, 1 o'clock coming up, so those will be at 7.30, just about an hour before Sunday night football to get together, reconvene, talk about the game. So if you're not doing that, you should. The OBR YouTube and the OBR Twitch are where you can consume those. So let's get over to that show right now. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Buying tickets to your favorite events should not be stressful, guys. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and concerts near you. You can find them last minute with killer deals. And their best price guarantee helps you stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for all the fun you've had. So why would you go game time? They have flash deals, last minute tickets. They're easy to find. Buy tickets for every kind of event in your area, specifically those Cleveland Browns. You get great images of the seats view, which is awesome when you're trying to figure out how the stadium is going to look when you're trying to find that right ticket for the right price. And they have that low price guarantee and event cancellation protection, job loss protection, all of the stuff to help you protect your money. Right, It's the fastest growing ticket app for a reason in the country. You get images of your seats, like I said, before you buy them. You buy tickets in a matter of seconds, and they're sent directly to your phone. All right, So you never have to go digging through your email to find something last second. It is always there. You can put them in your wallet app and make sure to have them up and ready to go. It's important to know you can download that GameTime app, which makes it extremely easy, very intuitive, very fast way to buy those tickets. Create an account and use the promo code OBR for $20 off your first purchase. Again, terms apply. Again, create that account. Redeem the code OBR for $20 off. You can do so at GameTime.co. It is not .com. It is GameTime.co. But I would suggest downloading that app, taking advantage of the $20 off coupon using the promo code OBR. Download GameTime today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Good evening, everyone, and uh, thank you for joining us. My name is Andrew Spade, uh, and welcome to the post-game uh, OBR show, OBR post game show, where uh, we're going to round up the Browns. Uh, disappointing, dispiriting 28 to 3 defeat at the hands of the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, I'm joined by Jake Burns and Brad Ward uh, to try and give you a little bit of a sense of where we th- see things standing after uh, four games as the Browns enter their bye week. They will welcome the San Francisco 49ers, who are currently 4 0 to Cleveland Browns Stadium after the bye week concludes. So, uh, I think a, a more somber mood than maybe we were hoping for. Uh, but uh, it's a two and two record as the Browns enter the bye. Um, I think where I want to start, fellas, is, uh, you know, it was a it was a real roller coaster last week in that they did not um, say much about Deshaun Watson's status. They kind of kept it hush hush. And then it kind of became very clear all of a sudden on Friday that he had a real chance to miss this game. Uh, and then there was, you know, reports to the contrary yesterday, 
Uh, it landed on him working out for a very brief moment uh, this morning, not being able to come even close to going, it looked like. And so it's uh, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, a fifth-round pick out of UCLA, who makes the start for the Browns, and he was overmatched. From snap one through the end of the game, he was he was not ready for the moment, and I don't think that the team put him in the best positions either. Uh, so it overall was was just a, about as bad of a week of preparation for a game as you can have. So, Brad, I, I want to ask you, with that all of that in mind, uh, you know, we're hoping, obviously, that Sean Watson is back healthy for week six. How much of this do you think is about Dorian Thompson-Robinson just not being ready? And how much of this do you think is a larger problem with the team not having a better backup plan for their starting quarterback? Um. That's a great question. I, I don't know. Listen, you know, DTR was clearly not ready today uh, for this situation, right? And it, it goes to a greater point of all of the people that were ready to crown him after preseason. And that's for a talk for another day of the comparison of preseason football to uh, week four football. But let, let's talk about, I, I guess my thing kind of goes back and I'm going to get, I, I don't want to do it, but I'm going to get a little bit critical of Kevin Stefanski here just because not that let me preface this before I say anything. Let me preface, let me preface this whole thing. Do I think it would have changed the outcome of the game? No, uh, I think the Browns probably lose this game no matter what in the situation, in the hand they were dealt, but did he do a good job of having a feel of easing Thompson into the game of having a game plan that gave them a chance to stay close? I don't really think he did. Uh, I think they came out and kind of threw the ball all over the field right away uh, where I would have been content with running the ball a few times and maybe even just punting it or easing him into the game with some screens and some easy stuff uh, it, just to even stay close. The one thing you didn't want to do was hand them seven points to start the game. And that's basically what you did after he tried to throw multiple interceptions. He was finally successful at completing one of those interceptions to Stevens and he returned it to the 10 yard line. So was it a, it wasn't once again, I'll go back to, I thought Stefanski failed, failed us a little bit in that Steelers game with feel for the game where he basically could have kneeled at the end of the game and punted it away three times and they would have ran out the clock because I didn't think Steelers were moving the ball. This is, a, once again, a little bit of having feel for your team and feel for the game. Like, this is a rookie quarterback, fifth-round rookie, and first start of his career. It's probably not best to come out throwing it all over the yard. Just my my thought here. Uh, maybe just try to play it close to the vest, play it conservative, and see if you can hang around in the game. Uh, and that's not what that appeared to be. Yeah, I think that's a that's a fair way of summing it up um, in terms of just the the what we were expecting to see with a rookie quarterback and what we saw. I think there was a pretty big gap there. Um, Jake, I want to go over to you because uh, you and I uh, were on the OBR Film Breakdown podcast uh, yesterday, uh, the, the one that we, re we recorded just as that Watson news was coming out on Friday, and uh, we struck a pretty negative tone because it felt like we were going to see a rookie quarterback make his debut against a, a really good Ravens defense. And we felt like that was probably not a recipe for success for the Browns. Um, and uh, we, we got a lot of heat for that um, over the next 24 hours for being too negative, uh, et cetera. 
I think everything we thought might go wrong uh, when we talked about that on Friday is pretty much exactly what we got today. And I think it, it really puts to bed any any talk. It, it, it made clear the, the gulf between a, a fifth-round rookie quarterback and even with Deshaun Watson's struggles, he didn't look anything like uh, as bad as DTR did today, right? Yeah, I've been a pretty ardent Kevin supporter for a long time. You know, I think there are uh, people that have different types of coaches they prefer, usually personality types tie into all that stuff. Um, you know, if you prefer a rah-rah guy, do you prefer a calculated, more quiet, uh, yeah. laid-back players coach type? There's there's a variety of ways you can go with that. Um, you know, so Kevin, I know, has not been for everybody. Right? It started out well, and they made the playoffs and had a real run at that divisional game, and everybody, you couldn't really be out at that point. But as they've hit turbulence over the last two years – um, there certainly have been a, a lot of voices that have been on the other side of the spectrum for me where I've thought Kevin is, um, you know, and, and I still do. He's the type of guy I like. He's the type of leader I like. I don't, I don't have any real issues there, but, um, what, I mean, a quarter of the way in. So it's not like you, you can, you can overreaction me on some of this stuff, right? Like yep. this is a quarter of the season. You only get four quarters of this thing. Really. They, they decided to add a little bit of overtime these recent years, but I think, um, what, is is clear to me is that they did not redevelop anything offensively. I feel very, very um, clear about their, they, they might've done some things where they've, they've installed some run concepts, but they did not change things the way I anticipated them changing things coming into this. They have zero North South gun run game. They have zero RPO game. And, then you start thinking about the bigger picture here, which is a lack of ability to adapt. Um, you know, I think that today is a very strong example of a lack of ability to adapt. I mean, like, you know, I know people were excited about Donovan from the preseason. I'm sorry, not Donovan, but Dorian from mm -hmm. the preseason. I get that. You know, it's, it's a stark reminder every year that you, you know, you have to, <laughs> there's a complete, complete difference between what happens in the preseason and what happens in the regular season. Now there are some things that you want to see. Can a guy just play? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I get that. But for a quarterback, it amplifies itself like times a hundred in the season. Cause you're getting disguised coverages, best on best. They're going to go after your actual weakness. I was, I just want to be very clear. I was flabbergasted by the approach today to put him in a slinger mode. Like, for, first of all, you know, let's think back on this. I think we've seen a lot of times where the Browns have seen free age, like, like late drafted quarterbacks or UDFAs. Think of Bailey Zappi last year. Yep. The, the way the Patriots, who had the two most ridiculous offensive coordinators last year, handled that game. They identified something the Browns could not cover based on the tendency that they had to a couple formations, and they gave him some easy throws. Easy throws. He did not get the weight of the game plan put on his shoulders. They had, I don't have the data. I haven't, I just sat down from doing the family thing here, but like, I don't even know if the 36 snaps. Now I don't know what the drop back number is, maybe 45, 46. How many of those came out of empty to put a young quarterback in empty is so hard, man. It is so hard for them to be quick, decisive and nowhere to go with the ball. There was very little deception to help him. I thought the boot stuff was nasty today. This the route spacing wasn't good. And then you you just are piling it on. Like 
there was no clear way to help this young man. Now, I think at this point, I feel rather confident in saying they, Nick Chubb masked some things here in yep. terms of run game efficiency, where he's able to do some very unique and specific things that, that really covered up either some minor stuff. Like, again, if you go watch Nick, I'm not trying to like turn face completely on Kevin on everything here. Cause they've been well coached in wide zone for years and they've done some things pretty, pretty, pretty strongly. But like, if you look at them, the way Nick is, is at the line of scrimmage, been able to make people miss and do various things. I, I don't have a problem with some of their under center stuff, but to, to not have anything developed in the gun that can give you just natural numbers, advantages, ways to bake in easy, easy runs. Those, like, I don't know that I felt like I've seen an offense struggle to just gain five yards like this one, where there's just like, Oh, they have a pretty simple staple here where they can get, four to five yards right and i'm not saying every offense has that there are times that defenses cover that stuff up. i get it but like what the heck is their identity guys there is no identity they have no gun run game they want to live out of the gun you're telling me that you had no clue no clue that watson wasn't going to play in this game so you had to just just thrust dtr into that moment in the same game plan. You guys can't tell me that game plan looked any different than what Deshaun does. There yeah, was that's no, one of the biggest questions. There I were think. no max protections. Like what yeah. I, I, I don't understand how you could have Watson not throwing Wednesday and not have a completely different altered game plan and approach. Now, they could have. If you sit those guys down at a bar, you're drinking beers, they'll say, yeah, we had a game plan for Watson and a game plan for Dorian as well. But th th there's no difference. How are they helping? Like, So no. I'm not coming on this show week four, Andrew. Brad, I'm not coming here to, to call for his job, He's, but he's coaching for it all year. And today was a really, really rough step in the wrong direction. Irresponsible structure to their offense today. I didn't think Dorian was good. It was nasty. But I thought, how did, how did they help him? I didn't right. see any help. And I'm beginning to think they're not it all adapting the structure of their offense, which makes me nervous because, you know, the bye week they could come out of it looking different. And that's why you don't come on in week four talking about fire people. But I am saying, what evidence do I have right now that they have done things to change, alter their, their DNA from who they have been here. And I don't think there's any of that. And now they're run they're playing running backs. They don't trust who can't create in the ways that Nick could create. And you're talking about an offense that was, that was awful to watch. I, I felt like that's the least amount of hope I can say I felt watching a Cleveland Browns offense since before Freddie Kitchens took. I'm talking like Hugh. I'm probably talking Kaiser era like that yeah. run. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was that hopeless mm -hmm. type of thing. So I just I, again, I am a you, you guys know me well. I'm an outspoken Kevin supporter. I have been. I was as disappointed in him today as I think I've ever been watching the Browns. And that sucks. That's really a shame. It's really a shame in a division game. So that's what I have. All right. Uh, yeah, I think as far as, yeah, I think we all see it the same way in terms of the the breakdown of where this felt like a, a, a scheme situation and a, and a preparation uh, problem overall versus the, the quarterback himself. I, I don't, I mean, in terms of the things that I think that Dorian Thompson Robinson can be faulted for, uh, he clearly has too much uh, confidence in his uh, arm talent. 
uh, for the NFL level. And I think, you know, to your point, Jake, that's one of the, it's one of the things that's going to be different between the preseason and the regular season is if I mean, you just didn't see people, Andrew, you just didn't see them. Yeah. And like, yeah, well, right. Yes. Like, Routinely. Yeah. And like, how can you trust them to, to make those play? Like, right. that's the thing. I'm sorry right. to interrupt you, but like, no, that's fine. That's how, fine. how can yeah. you, how can you call yeah. that stuff with comfort? If he's, Hey, I'm in the box. Kev, he's not seeing the will linebacker drop in middle read. He's not seeing right. it. We can't right. call this stuff. Do we have any play action RPO stuff? simplistic two-man routes Mm -hmm. that we can call for this guy when we need to throw. I don't care if we run the first two downs. Sprinkle in a play action here on first down every now and again. Like, again, I'm I'm a known idiot, but this was was bad today. Bad. And and, uh, it was embarrassing. It was embarrassing to watch. So, yeah, and I I think that it's it's absolutely right to highlight the the coaching piece of this. I just – I do want to talk about the player for just a second because I think – the, the preseason was, you know, as you mentioned, as you alluded to, Jake, it was a it was full of a lot of promise because he looked like a playmaking quarterback, uh, Brad. And I think we saw the same instincts to make those plays. Um, but the you know, the execution was left a lot to be desired. He really seemed to struggle with pressure in a way that we never really saw in the preseason. Uh, and so it is, you know, I think there was uh, I you know, I don't want to characterize it as overconfidence, but there was a weird lack of panic from Browns fans when Watson was declared out this morning in the few hours coming up to the game where it felt like, you know, how much worse could it be because we've seen Watson struggle. And I just want to highlight that this is, you know, to what Jake's talking about, this is the truly bad NFL quarterbacking that as much as Watson has struggled and you can put together, you know, your, you can cherry pick stats all day to make him look like one of the worst quarterbacks in the league. He has not, over the eight, nine games that he's played for the Browns, performed the way that Dorian Thompson-Robinson performs. And so going forward, Brad, it, it becomes even more clear then that this becomes, you know, this is Deshaun Watson's sink or swim for as long as he's here, right? Because there's not, at this point, another option in the building. And I think in some a way we kind of thought, well, he looked okay in the preseason. Maybe that guy could play in the regular season. I think this dispelled all of that today. So just, you know, kind of talk about, the wake-up call that this was for Browns fans. Yeah, I think there was a lot of people that that thought that, hey, man, this would be a perfect world if DTR ended up being the guy for the Browns, right? right. Like, uh, and and that's just not realistic. Listen, I don't. This isn't the end of the guy's career or anything like that, or you know. But this was just not the way to start it, right? Like, I mean, mm-hmm. and, and he's clearly not Deshaun Watson, so. Uh, and, and I saw people admitting that on Twitter and it was actually, you know, like, Hey, I was wrong. You know, we need to right. shine, you know, mm-hmm. and it was actually good to see. And listen, DTR seems like he, you know, at some point he may figure it out, but uh, I, I don't know. I, but my real questions here are, yeah, it's a wake up call for a lot of the DTR supporters out there. Definitely a wake up call. Right. Uh, I have some questions around, I don't want to go back to this, but I mean, no, a fine. little bit the handling of, okay. So you guys already highlighted it and, and the lack of a, what appears to be a lack of a contingency plan or a contingency plan, which looks identical to the uh, primary plan, <laughs> the right? plan B, which looks a lot the, like the plan, the plan a. B, yeah. which looks very much like plan a. So yeah, that, that is a problem. Right. But the, the other thing is the handling of, of Deshaun's injury now, like we don't really know what is we have no idea what is going on with his injury long term. Right. 
because right. we get this Evan Washburn report that there's fluid in his rotator cuff, and now it's not just a it's not just a contusion. Right. Uh, so what what actually is going on, and how long are they going to have to weather this? Like, is this something right. that goes beyond the bye week? Because once again, we're hearing Kevin say, "Yeah, I expect him to be good, be good to go against San Francisco." Well, you said that all week about this game. Exactly. Right. Right. Yeah, I think it's it's clear that there's not a you know there's not a lot that's in his control in terms of how this heals. I think they you know wanted to to put the foot forward that it was going to be fine by Sunday, and it obviously wasn't. I do think if if Watson you know it, it, as a contingency plan. In my opinion, I think the there it would be well deserved to spend the bye week first. You know, if Watson can't throw, PJ Walker should be getting those reps because we're we're, to, we're talking about uh you know a season that has playoff hopes, divisional you know winning the division hopes. You cannot afford to give away more than one game with the Dorian Thompson Robinson thing. We saw what that looked like against the Ravens. I think the 49ers have a better defense than the Ravens, so. Um, PJ Walker has played in the NFL. He's played well in the NFL there, uh, you know, two weeks through the bye week is enough time for him to be ready to go. Um, if, if the Cardinals could get Josh Dobbs ready to go week one, then Kevin Stefanski and, and his crew should be able to get, uh, PJ Walker ready to go week six against the 49ers. So that's, that's one thing I'll say just off the top there to, to your point, Brad, is that if there's any question about this lingering for Watson, it would be malpractice by the Browns not to have uh, a better option in place. Um, Jake, I want to ask you kind of a two-part question here. Uh, you know, there, there's a lot of criticism flying around online today about the decision to trade Josh Dobbs. We saw Dobbs play well again tonight in uh, San Francisco, even in a losing effort. But he he looked, you know, he, he unflustered and able to find players who were open and operate the offense in a way that we we obviously didn't see today in Cleveland. So first part of the question is, you know, what what are your feelings about the situation that they left themselves. And obviously you never expect your quarterback to be gone week four, but, but talk a little bit about that and, and the decision to trade away Dobbs, turn this backup job over to DTR. Something we didn't make a ton of, of uh, stink about, by the way, it, you know, when it happened. But then I also want you to kind of talk a little bit about, I think where Brad's going a little bit, which is if this is an ongoing issue for Watson, given what you said about the scheme, how much trust can we now have in this offensive uh, coaching staff to put, a limited Deshaun Watson in the best uh, positions to succeed. Well, uh, first part of the question I would yeah. say is that, you know, Dobbs, I didn't think he was stellar in the preseason. Didn't think he was practicing all too well. There's a level at which you have to feel comfortable with, with the, the gap there between those two to move a player. So I, again, I haven't watched all of Arizona play. I've seen some of it. I, I mean, whenever you're getting, it's a weird thing. They only punted three times. They didn't have a turnover today. They went for 362 yards, but they only scored 16 points. So yep. um, they were, you know, he was 28, 41, 265, two touchdowns. He's also running well. Mm -hmm. He's, he ran for 48 in this one. I, I mean, they're getting, again, shout out to Petsing. He's getting more out of him than we are seeing the Browns current staff <laughs> that, get out of there. That question just jumped into my head. How much sure. is, of what's going on in Cleveland is due to the fact that Drew Petsing is in Arizona. Yeah, I mean, Drew Petzing was a part of the stuff we wanted them to change here from last year yes. to this year. So maybe he was having very little influence in that sort of stuff when he maybe perhaps should have had more influence in that sort of stuff. I know, Andrew, we talked about Bill Musgrave, some of these angles that we thought they were taking to sort of shift who they are here. 
maybe the guy was sitting right in front of their face the entire time and they didn't take him serious enough between AVP and Kevin. I don't know. But what I'm saying is you made the the decision. I don't really totally blame them based on what I saw, but if this is, you start to question the evaluation a little bit, right? Because here's the, the big problem, Andrew. You know, they sold everything under the sun to go get Deshaun. And we have asked this question for a little bit now. You know, why did you do that? Because they're not doing the things that I think necessarily tie to the best of Watson and Houston. Now, I understand that there was a part of Kevin that wanted to be uh, involved in the things that made Nick the best version of Nick still. I I kind of see where they're coming from there. But when you have a five-year contract, and everything is invested in this guy, both your reputation and your bankroll as a franchise, there should be nothing other than putting the best foot forward for helping him become the best player he used to be, right? So it is very evident that they either misevaluated that situation and how to bring out the best in Watson. Does that mean they can't evaluate, you know, because Baker was inherited, right? Um but does that mean they can't evaluate how to properly use DTR? They couldn't properly evaluate how to get the most out of Josh Dobbs. I think all of those questions are fair while also keeping perspective that at times they have strung together some good offensive football every now mm-hmm. and again. But the biggest part of when they've been their best is number 24, yeah. either creating, producing, and then and then taking things that he gives you and working off of those things that he gives you. You no longer have that crutch to lean on. Whereas you have two linebackers meet him in the hole, but he makes somebody miss and turn six yards into 56 yards or whatever he does that is so unique that keeps your offense on schedule. So without that crutch, you now have put yourself in a position where you want the crutch, but the crutch is gone. And there is no crutch replacement because you haven't invested in the crutch replacement that you needed to invest in to become the version of this whole thing that you wanted it to be down the road. So they're in a terrible spot right now. This offense, <laughs> it's hard to see them rewriting the whole thing here. And I'm not saying they have to rewrite the entire thing, but to become a team that is, and I'm going to write on it this week, the things they are not doing to help yeah. themselves. Yeah, It is bluntly obvious that the things they're not doing to help themselves. We don't have the time to go through it on this. You can listen to it on the film breakdown pod, but like they're just – they're they're stuck in a in a version of the NFL that is from five years. If this version of the Browns offense was from like 2017, 2018, they'd be in a really good place. I just don't I don't see how they have failed to evolve and understand the newer personnel they have, how they best implement it, and the and just the 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 difficulty it is for them to get four, five, six yards on any given play. It is kind of dumbfounding to me because there's plenty of talent to do it, you know, um, and that's that sucks, right? I mean, think about this, fellas. You have a quarterback that is young, right? He the, the what what did what are the teams that we have seen the Browns play do a consistent amount of oh let's put it up down the sideline and just give them some fade throws like we could mm-hmm. draw some pis we could get some things that there were none of those like how hard is it to bake in some of those things right I'm not asking you to high low read from empty where if you don't get it out in three seconds from that high low read because something confuses you you're either just throwing it blindly and missing a backer or you're taking a sack on somebody breaking through the line of scrimmage like that stuff is challenging 
it's really hard. And even Watson at times in his recovery to the NFL, his return has struggled with it himself. So to think, I mean, again, I don't, I'm hearkening back on the things we've sort of talked about, but yeah. I just am confused at the, the missed. We, we got this thing, Andrew, when they, when they traded for him, where they said Kevin sat down with this iPad and he went over a bunch of plays they want to do together. And it's like, I watched 2020 Houston and they're not doing any of that stuff. So what are you talking about? Like, what, what are you talking about? Like what things were discussed? Why did you feel comfortable in giving up all you gave up to pursue him? You gave that up to pursue him just to stick him in an offense that is driven by formulaic run game that provides him answers. That's not it, man. That's not it. So I just, um, if you're looking at Dobbs play, right, you feel good about that in another place. You're looking at what they've done with the guys they've had here. It's a little hard to feel positive about the evaluation and proper use of your evaluation to apply the best version of that quarterback on the football field. Because you can say over and over again, oh, there were guys open. There were guys open. Right. I can say that, too. I can look at the film and I can circle them and I can still show it. I can I can show a whole replay, whatever, whatever. But if you can't get your quarterback to get them the football, it goes back to Brad. Your dad was a very successful head coach. It's not what you know. It's what your players know and ultimately can execute. That's what makes you great. So there's a gap that needs bridged. And I don't know that there's a bridge to be found. And I think that's concerning. The schedule's got some wins baked into it. They're, they're going to be okay here, but there's um, where we all want to go is to see them go to the Super Bowl and win it. And the offense is so far off of that front that um, it's hard to be optimistic with you guys. And my job's not to just paint pictures that are rosy. Yep. It's to right. tell you how I feel. And that's yep. how I feel. Go ahead, Brett. No, I was just going to, when he mentioned about the iPad, I was going to say, and all of off season, like everything right. we heard this off season was one breadcrumb after another of what we are alluding this to look like. And we have this expectation of seeing this brand new offense and it's much more the same kind of like the contingency plan that looks like, uh, you know, the new offense that looks a lot like the old, uh, the contingency plan that looks a lot like the, the primary plan. So, uh, you know, it's a, it's a lot confusing and it's, um, you know, the main, they're using Elijah more exotically, which has been a complete disaster so far, so far. So <laughs> that's like the one thing I can identify that's different yeah. and it's really not working at all. So, and, and I think it's fair to say that, I mean, I, <clears throat> I agree with you, Brad, some of those tendencies aren't really that new either in terms of like, he was trying to yeah. run that stuff with Jojo Natson back in 2020 yeah. before Jojo Natson got hurt. So I think that really speaks to Bre- uh, Jake's point about the lack of offensive evolution, that we're seeing some of the same jet motion concepts that just it kind of feels like some of these plays maybe have been in his playbook since 2020, and he's just finally getting a chance to use them since he's got Elijah Moore, and they're just striking out because teams are, are beyond prepared for it. I mean, I think part of part of that was a little bit on Elijah Moore on that uh, goofy, goofy play. Yeah. Uh, it looked like there was a cut to be made, but but – the idea of of moving to that sort of a trick play offense early in a game uh, is that you know more than anything else that really rubbed me the wrong way because yeah. it just it indicated a lack of faith in the you know any sort of uh, traditional offense and I think the Browns yeah. when the game script was neutral were able to run the ball okay against the Baltimore Ravens yeah. and and they got away from that awfully quick and then and then played themselves out of being able to run the ball. I want to pivot. Thing that's and t- funny is Andrew real quick is they. They they gave him the hardest things. 
They gave that's him, what I'm saying. Like they were okay and comfortable with giving him really challenging things to do as a young quarterback, but then we're also trying to to bake in some of the like goofy stuff. They didn't give him any of the traditional play action over route with a post. Yeah. Like I got to rewatch it. So I, I speak a little out of turn here because the TV view stinks sometimes, but I just, uh, I, I, I've never seen anything quite like it. Yeah, I mean, they're... it was, it was um, jarring the nature by way. Listen, he could have played better. He could have hit some more throws. There were some, you know, the last, not the last interception. The second interception was, I mean, it was as bad a sailed throw as I think you'll see. I mean, yeah. like, I don't think Dorian was like, you know, uh, a martyr here, but mm-hmm. I, I certainly think that if you've watched this young, like this cannot be the first time you've seen this young man do that is my right. point. If that's the case, who, I mean, maybe you haven't been challenging him enough. I mean, that that's, that's the thing. So uh, it's a big whiff. It's a big whiff guys. Yeah. Okay. So I want to, I want to pivot and talk about the defense because we've, we've gone so far the entire show without mentioning the defense. And I think, you know, there was a there was a legitimate question asked ahead of this game of like, you know, is is the defensive performance so far a, mostly a product of what other teams have have failed to do? You know, Joe Burrow and the weather, Kenny Pickett is who uh, we thought he was uh, for the Steelers, and then you know Ryan Tannehill uh, and a and a pretty vanilla Titans offense last week. You know, the Browns were sort of on record setting pace, and they came out with a lot of the same uh, sort of vibes, and then. Um, you know, got down a little bit. And then uh, all of a sudden in the second quarter, the Ravens started uh, executing almost at will uh, for two long touchdown drives that um, really changed the entire uh, shape of the game uh, in the second and, and third quarter. So, um, it, you know, I, I guess the way I want to talk about this is I don't think that this defense is fraudulent. It's clear that they're very talented. They still had quite a few explosive plays against the Ravens offense found opportunities to, to find sacks and, and created a turnover, all these things. But I think it's safe to say also that they are not the defense of the first three games. That trend line is not going to continue uh, straight across. They are going to have some games like this where they, they run into a team that is able to, to work really well against them. So um, with three games, you know, in one direction, and then this today's game where I think I think we're, I think I'll speak for myself. I'm pretty disappointed that they weren't able to do more against the Ravens offense. Um, Brad, what do, what do you, what is your, how much of each are you taking here? What is your outlook for the defense going forward? Um, I, I'm still pretty high on them. I mean, like I never, I don't think like that to your point that it was sustainable, the pace that they were at and surely they got, somewhat exposed today for that second quarter, which I think there were some, you can say, you know, as the broadcasters mentioned, you know, they were on the field. They clearly looked gassed in the second quarter, right? Miles Garrett looked gassed. There's several guys that looked gassed, but they uh, were running the ball at will. And it was blocked up every like nicely, like guys were running untouched four or five yards down the field. So, uh, they were taking advantage of kind of what the Browns do aggressive wise. Right. Um, and uh, it felt like uh, they were exposed a little bit there for those two drives, as you mentioned, but I think as a whole going forward, I still feel good about this defense. I think they could be a top five defense. I'm upset. Same as you that I wish they would have done more today, or maybe they missed something in preparation because um, you know, they, 
made it look pretty easy there for a while. And uh, I would just say, though, I'm not going to overreact on this defense and say, oh, you know, that they were completely fraudulent. I think this is still a very good defense. Uh, I'm not losing my faith in them uh, as much as I was upset about what happened with the offense and and DTR and everything. I think the defense will be there. Um, I think this is probably a pretty good learning uh, week for them. You know, this is a self-scout week, so, you know, they I'm glad that if there was a weakness that got exposed on the defense, you know, and somebody put it on tape, how to beat them with the run game or whatever that the Ravens were doing today. Exactly. You've got a, a self scout week to go in and identify that and fix it going forward. There's a lot of talent on that side of the ball. So I believe they will be fine in the end. Um, yep. They have a big challenge though, here coming up with San Francisco, obviously. Yeah. But, and yeah. I, I, I still think it can be a top five overall. I just think uh, they do some regression and, and this is a good team. So, yeah. 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 I think if there's a team that you don't want to see in two weeks where you've just put a ton of stuff on tape for how to successfully attack your defense, <laughs> yes. it's the 49ers because Kyle Shanahan is going to look up every single successful Ravens run play today and figure out which of that stuff he can use for his offense. And I think, you know, I, I, to me, I agree with you, Brad, for the season long because, as Jake said, there are some weaker teams on the schedule, and you're gonna you're gonna get some other teams. They're gonna play like some of the teams they saw over the first three weeks. Um, but uh, as far as what happens week six, I think the warning lights are on for me about what that could look like uh, based sure. on what they put on film today with with Baltimore. Jake, um, in, in terms of just what that looked like today, um, you know, I think what I'm seeing more than anything as an excuse for what happened in the second quarter is that they were tired because they were on the field too much. Uh, I, that doesn't carry a ton of water for me because they had had a few quick three and outs to start the game, and then the one touchdown drive was literally one play. Um, I, if they're gassed after playing defense for two drives, then I think conditioning is a huge question, right? So I, that that excuse doesn't hold that much water to me. It looked on uh, you know on the live, watching it on TV um, view, as if they were just uh, – getting uh, out schemed in a lot of situations. And then also I thought a, a few notable times where they did not tackle with the same aggressiveness that we had seen over the first three weeks. You're muted. Sorry guys. Um, fair. I think that they had 13 missed tackles in this game. That yes. is uh, more than half of what they had coming into the game. Yes. And um, two things happened. Lamar Jackson's really good. And it's a mm-hmm. reminder that he is really good. And like, so you can have a bunch of confidence going into any of these games with the Ravens. It's not Kenny Pickett, right? right. It is, it is a unique individual who can make plays his, he, he made a cross body throwback that, that found the hands of Andrews. He made mm-hmm. uh, that throw. He made that throw on the rail route, right over JOK's extended hand. That was perfectly thrown covered, not poorly covered, just perfectly thrown. Uh, there's a t- there's a touchdown ball in the corner to Andrews that he just perfectly puts it up to the to the highest point and his guy goes and gets it. I thought they just made more plays. Like the Browns were there on a lot. Of, they got after him. I mean they. I don't have yeah. the pressure rates in front of me. I mean it looks like ah yeah sixteen pressures. Like they got after this guy. They did fine, but they had a a lull in second quarter run fits, which we will watch, where mm-hmm. it felt like they were too. Like they were being run influenced up, sorry, pass set influenced up field. That was creating some pretty wide run lanes and linebackers had a lull in cover or sorry, their run fits. Again, we'll watch that and break it down together this week. And then 
I think that that Lamar is an is an MVP level quarterback at times, and he reminds you of that sometimes. He made more plays, and they scored yeah. twenty one points. The twenty eighth point, the game was oh, you could smell where the the offense was going. The defense is just kind of like like Mufasa hanging off the edge by his nails. You know, you know what's coming, right? Like it is, it is, yeah. uh, we've watching Lion King around the house. I was going to say, it's wild how many of your metaphors in. end up coming back to the Lion King, you, man. You, you like, what, what am I, am I, I thought it was my first. Anyway, um, <laughs> I, maybe I mentioned Scar like a month ago. Anyway, um, I just think that the defense knew that they, they had to create plays, right? Like you could yeah. sense them yeah. offside a couple mm-hmm. times. If we don't make a play, we're not scoring. And when you start to do that, you 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 press you create run lanes you over pursue the tackling was awful though it was awful and that's the and that's been a thing i think in the last few seasons we have we have called out at times because uh, i don't have the again the data in front of me from last year's tackling but i think pff had them as one of the worst graded tackle teams in mm. the nfl last year and this one they were just bad and sometimes they the phrase any given sunday is a thing. And I think that they showed up today. The opposing team made more plays than they did, particularly the guy on the screen in front of you, Lamar Jackson. Um, and, and they didn't match that. Maybe if you have some longer drives on offense where you're matching some of that magic, it's a close game and you can, you can beat them. But I think that defense, I'm not worried is the point of the, like yeah. the, they, they got picked apart in some scenarios that we need to look back and see how Baltimore schemed them up a little bit. But I thought they pressured him well, they covered pretty well for the most part. I'm not really broken up about that uh, at, at all. And I think that the, the Ravens were just situationally, um, they capitalized. And that's how it goes sometimes. So um, I still think this is, like you said, Brad, a top 10. But they keep it up there, top five often defense. And um, I'm not going to freak out on them. There, there was some, like you guys said, there's some comeback down to earth. They're not going to make every play, not going to get off the field two out of 13 first, the third downs. Like mm-hmm. that stuff wasn't going to keep coming to fruition. The turnover stuff, they could, they need to create some more somehow, some way, some of it's yeah. variance driven, but they need to create some more. Um, but, but they're still good. They're good enough to win the San Francisco game. The defense is good enough to win any game remaining on the schedule. Mm-hmm. It's just about how they're met in the middle from the other guys on the other side of the ball. Yeah, I think that's that sums it up really well. Okay, I want to wrap this up because uh, these 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 post game shows after a loss can just get, you know, they can get awfully introspective. And you know, I, I think we we covered pretty much this game from every angle. So I, I just want to do one more thing quick before we go. You know, it's the bye week. It's a quarter of the season. They're two and two. They're one and two in the division. I think if you had said going into the season that the at the bye week they would be two and two, I think most people would have been okay with that. Uh, seeing the Bengals and the Ravens on the schedule. Three home games is disappointing to only have won uh, two of those. You know, I think you, you, you'd like to get, you know, you want to win all your home games, certainly. Um, and, and obviously one and two in the division is tough. But I think overall, it feels like a fair representation of where they are as a team, considering how much the offense has struggled. Um, you know, so I, I just want to get a, your take on that uh, opinion as well. Uh, maybe you differ from me in terms of where you think they should be after uh, four games, Brad. No, I, th- I, I think you summed it up pretty well too. I mean, it's two and two based on who they played and where, they, I, I guess not where they played them. I think if you're looking for a split with the Ravens, you, you typically want to get this one right at home yeah, uh, in the sure. division. And, and sure. I think that one goes against the grain a little bit, 
but you know, built into that is this injury. So uh, you've got to, you know, since you failed today, you've got to put more emphasis on that one when that one comes right in yep. Baltimore and hopefully you have a healthy Deshaun Watson and maybe an offense that's, that's, uh, you know, performing at a different level than it is right now um, because uh, they've picked up some steam and played some cupcakes along the way. Maybe, I mean, let, let's be honest, this, this schedule gets lighter uh, and gets uh, better and easier as they go. Right. Not incredibly. I mean, some of these games are going to look tougher now as some of these teams are, these rookie quarterbacks are playing a little bit better uh, right. that are on your schedule. But uh, I think that the the schedule is beneficial for the Browns. And I've always said that I never thought they were going to get off to a really fast start, but I think the possibility is there or the best scenario for this team is for them to get hot at the right time. Right. And, mm-hmm. um, so that is kind of the hope that I have. So two and two, I am not super disappointed. I'm more disappointed at what we saw. Listen, they should have very easily been three and oh, they should have won in Pittsburgh. No question. Um, and then today obviously was, they got thumped, but it was because you didn't have your quarterback and you know, you failed on a bunch of other levels. So yeah. I, I, could, should they be three and one? Yes, they should be. Uh, with, if you would have told me two and two, I would have taken it. I think it's a fair representation, but I think that their ceiling, uh, Andrew, is yet to be realized. And for sure. um, so for, for sure. that reason, I am somewhat optimistic, I guess, not optimistic, hopeful yeah. that uh, they will get uh, to where they can be um and uh beat some of the teams they should beat they should be let's just say this with two and two years right in the you're right in the middle of it these teams are losing in, in your division every other week to teams they should beat so uh this afc north is wide open i think so yeah all right jake your 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 thoughts on where they are after the first four games headed into the bye week yeah, two games are disappointing. The Pittsburgh game is unbelievably disappointing. Um, you can rationalize it. I've tried to rationalize it. It's unbelievably disappointing loss. Um, in the Ravens one, I can excuse largely because it's a it's a fifth round rookie quarterback getting a start. And you know, while while we wanted them to be more competitive in this game, I know that's fair. Expecting them to win that is not fair. So that one I understand. If you're sitting at three and one, two and one in the division, and you had this game happen where Watson missed it, you can certainly stomach that. Sitting right. at two and two, season's not even remotely over. You're still more than fine. There's a lot of winnable games, but I don't view it as some success in yeah. two being two and two at this point. So um listen, hope they're hungry. That maybe maybe this arrived at the right time for them. The, the the like we said, some of the things that need tweaks, some of the the look in the mirror stuff from the offense and those in charge of leading and directing it need to look in the mirror about this thing. Um, and maybe that happens week eight. It's too late, can't change it, right? It's two with eight. The season's kind of defined, whatever, whatever. Week four, sorry, week five, you can. You can control that fate, change some things, flip your tendencies, and give your guys a better chance to succeed with a huge portion of the season to come. So the thing I'm hoping for is that this bye week arrives at the right time for um, an unfortunate quarterback shoulder injury and the right time for an uh, the leaders of the, the structure decision-making of this offense to put their best foot forward and salvage themselves. Because if the status quo remains the same through the end of the year, the Browns are, I'm just, this is going to sound harsh. If they do not alter who they are, the chemical makeup of their offense, it is going to disappoint 
you guys. It's going to disappoint us, and it's going to disappoint in the win loss column, and you're going to see some massive changes. That's that's. I feel very very comfortable in saying that 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 will end up haunting them, hurting them, costing them games they should win, and ultimately costing them a chance to be in the playoffs with a roster that's that's quite talented enough to do so. So my hope here is that you arrive at the bye week at the right time to rectify some of those things, self-scout, get rid of things, have harsh conversations among that group that is that is making all of those decisions, come out on the right side of it, better for it, and then we see a sort of, I don't like to draw parallels to this, but if you go back and watch what the Bengals did last year in the first four games offensively, it was really rough, and they came out of it self-scouted, reevaluated, got better, and they came out of it and lit the world on fire in the last two-thirds of the season. I want to tell you guys I have faith that that's going to happen. The evidence I have that that's going to happen is very minimal. So I'm just kind of um, I'm like maybe I think you would be wishing, hoping, and praying that they do this stuff because if they cannot see it, if they cannot recognize it, and they cannot fix it, they are not the right people to be running this coaching staff and in, in, in leading the organization. So I'll leave it at that. All right. I think that's well said. I think it kind of clarifies the stakes of where things are headed. It'll be an interesting bye week uh, comparatively to most bye weeks where it's it's just kind of boring. I think there's a lot of news still to follow with the Browns. And uh, with that said, obviously the OBR is the right place to follow everything Browns related. We will have a full week of coverage for you this week. Uh, Jake will be back tomorrow night to break down the film from this one. Uh, and then Tuesday night, uh, I'm not 100% sure what we're going to do there because typically we preview the upcoming opponent um question mark uh and then garage beers will be at nine uh wednesday night obr weekly we'll have all the details on uh what's unfolding as the week goes on and then uh very own brad ward will be here on thursday to kind of take us into the bye week weekend uh as well as all of the live streaming coverage we will of course have day-to-day coverage on the obr website and uh, i'm sure there will be some behind the scenes information coming out this week as well about how, how the team feels about things and where their head's at going into uh, the bye week. So uh, for Jake Burns, for Brad Ward, for Ian McBride behind the scenes, thank you all for joining us. Uh, we will be back, as I said, tomorrow night. Uh, no game next weekend, but uh, we will be back to wrap up that week six game against the San Francisco 49ers at the same time, the 7.30 uh, postgame time slot. So thank you all for joining us. It was a great pleasure to uh, review even this awful game with all of you. And we will see you soon on the OBR Streaming Network. Go Browns. All right, so we're going to keep up the tradition of doing fit check even in even in losses, you know, so to break the, the negative aura of the podcast when the Browns drop a game. And this was a horrendous performance. But nonetheless, we're going to, we're going to keep this up. We're going to roll it through the year. Joined by, again, Kelby, my wife. If you missed the debut last week, we are going into Instagram looking at the post. I will link the direct post if you want to follow along, but I will warn you a couple of them are in the story. Like if you're not well-versed in Instagram, you know, you can post like disappearing photos that, that can be seen for a little while and whatever. I'm just saying there's like four of them that are in the Cleveland Browns. Like you have to click on the icon and you can see it. If you go back to yesterday, if you're really into this sort of thing. Anyway, Kelby, what's up? What's happening? Hello, everyone. All right, we're back. We're going to look at uh, let's start with David. David has the, the coming into the game, played one of his better games, is wearing uh, quite the fit. You know, he had the burn incident that happened Saturday, Saturday, right? So um, he comes to the game in a 
uh, I don't know, custom mask. It's just a blank mask. The leather or the uh, fur coat is nice. Though I, I'm interested in your ranking of this fit. It seems like some basic black pants and it's a hell of a fur coat. Yeah, I mean, it's um, it's quite a vibe. It's giving me Bane. Mm. I feel like um, hate the mask, obviously, but I do respect he's doing it because he got burnt. But it's also 80 degrees in Cleveland, and he's got that fur coat on. So it's a move. He's playing up the the whole report about facial burns. Anyway, yeah. before we go though, we have to get your official ranking out of 10 on that fit. It's a three for me. It's a three. All right. Next is Juan Thornhill. He's got some jeans. I'm gonna let you describe. I think you describe him better. Go ahead. Go ahead and do those. Yeah. He's just very casual today. Some light colored denim and like a little crew neck that's looks like it's like an ink blot. Um, with some neon pink in the background and some neon pink shoes. Um, I like the vibe. I give them a 9 out of 10. Okay, big chains. like the chains. Big number one. I dig it. All right, next is coming in Zadarius, which I feel like he wore something pretty similar last week. He's big into the casual look. Go ahead. Yeah, he's got like a little Letterman's jacket on and some ripped up denim. And as you call them, Converse, but they're probably like Prada or something. Expensive. Um, But yeah, he looks looks good too. Nice and chill. Another 9 out of 10. 9 out of 10. I would have said 7. I was wrong. All right. Next is uh, taking a bit more of a leap here. Look, Greg Newsom is rocking a a vest. It's a choice. uh, Go ahead. Yeah, he's got the white Prada vest on. Mm. I would imagine the pants are maybe Prada too. I don't know. Long shot there. Uh, But they are like... A quilt material, which I'm 100% on board with. It does look like he's maybe chugging vodka from the bottle, though, even though it's not. Yeah, it's meant to look like vodka. I'd imagine that's just some high-quality H2O. Yeah. Um, I do not like the sunglasses, Mm. the little tiny black lenses, but I love the pants, so he's getting a 6 out of 10. Okay. little. I thought you would be all in on the pants, so I'm surprised. I do like the pants. Marquis Goodwin is up next. Got the pigtail dreads going on. He's got he's got a fur button down. The the pants look velvety. Um, he's got a little handbag. He is he's styling two weeks in a row here. I, I gotta think this is gonna be high on your fit checklist. I think he has two Rolex on too, maybe. One on each wrist. I don't know. Um it's not very high for me. Wow. This one's not doing it for me at all. I like that he took a risk and I respect it. Because somebody actually who knows fashion is probably really into this, but my style is more of like Adam Sandler getting <laughs> getting groceries on the weekend. That's an initial. Uh, but I'm only going to give this one a 4 out of 10. Wow, much lower than I would have presumed. Again, off on maybe I don't even know your fashion uh, preferences here, at, uh, even in the slightest. So we'll keep going. Adam Sandler on the weekend, that's definitely my <laughs> vibe. Um, all right, so next is... Dewan Jones, whose nickname is Thanos, rocking a Thanos shirt, pretty casual, Nike, looks like maybe some joggers. Um, this is a weekend vibe, is what I would call it, fall yeah. weekend vibe. Yeah, weekend vibe. I respect Thanos, I respect Marvel, but he's got to give more effort to this. I give him a 7 out of 10. You're giving him a 7? I mean, I love Marvel, so he's he's comfy. I want to work on your standards for grading as we go along here. JOK is wearing... I don't go ahead. Give it your best shot. I it's, mean, it's just a note a to his heritage yeah. again. Uh, ooh, it's gold and purple, which I love. Um, I mean, I think it's great. He wears it great. He's confident. One shoulder exposed. One shoulder exposed. He's got the nice um, 
jewelry on with it too. So yeah. ten out of ten. Ten out of ten. That's fair. It takes a certain type of person to be able to rock that fit. He he nails it. Uh, another casual weekend vibe is Elijah Moore, backwards ball cap of some variety. We'll hope that's Cleveland. Uh, he's just got a red T-shirt on, which I'm sure is more expensive than anything I own, but it looks just like a Hanes T-shirt to me. Uh, some, I don't know, splotched up uh, white his, vanilla pants. I don't know. What are he's those? He's giving me uh, King Griffey Jr. vibes. Mm, yeah, I can see where you get um, that. But his pants look like the Wilson football. Yeah, past. yeah, they, they have the red uh, the yeah. spots on them. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I mean, I, what's this one for you? He's got some. Uh, I mean, I like I like the shoes. The shoes are saving me, and he's he's comfortable. He's casual, but I just want more effort out of yeah. these men. Marquise Goodwin gave you effort and got a four. So just mm, maybe that's something to think about. Five out of ten. All right, five out of ten. Uh, we have Ogbo Karonkwa, who's wearing like a button down. He's going again with almost like a punk feel, where he's wearing like a button down with a really raggedy sweater. Some some uh, tall boots. It's like a schoolgirl vibe, but it's definitely yeah. more Mrs. Trunchbull. <laughs> yeah, this is an interesting one. I'd be curious how you rate this one. Uh, it could go either way. Mm, it's a three out of ten for yeah, me. Yeah, me too. Not digging it. Not digging it. All right. Uh, <laughs> Denzel's rocking the straight out of 1999 sunglasses, another backwards baseball cap. He has the right brown and orange shoes on. Black pant fitted, uh, you know, look here. He's got a, like a very loosely zipped. I'm talking like one-eighth yeah. zipped up. It's hanging by a zip. Yeah, that's an – I mean, Denzel can pull anything off here, but that's an interesting one. Where are, you, where are you grading that one? I mean, I just hate those sunglasses so much, but, you know – Sunglass I, trends are wild yeah, right now. I don't, I don't love it. But, you know, I love Denzel. Um, I, like, I like the jacket. I like the vibe. The shoes are good. So we'll give him a 6 out of 10. 6 out of 10. All right. Then we have Grant Delpa, who oh. continues to take the biggest leaps of anybody. He is wearing um, – yeah, go ahead. He's got like a, a white long sleeve on with a, just a plain T-shirt that says – I don't know. I don't know. It might be French. <laughs> might yeah. be French. The tag is hanging out, so that's not cool. And then he's got some brown cargo pants on that are also flared. Um, heavy Jinko vibes again yeah he's just so tall it's not is he tall uh, he's he, a, looks, he looks he's tall, tall it's a low camera angle yeah. um and it's a zero out of ten for me i can't get with that fit either yeah. i'm sure there are some fashion uh folks out there who could get get with that more than we do but um that's it for the instagram post the story has miles miles is leading off he's wearing Go ahead. That's like a mint sweater. It it's a cardigan, mint yep. cardigan. Yep. That's He's phenomenal. Got a, a mint cardigan with some uh, like khaki trousers and a plain white tee. It's a very coastal grandpa of him. Mm-hmm. Um, and just some nice comfy shoes on too, and a nice cobalt blue bag with all this stuff in it. Yeah, ten, out, ten out of ten. Ten out of ten. Yeah. Miles always. Yeah, it's hard to not. To, to, for him to not pull off a 10 out of 10. I think he's got a stylist. Let's keep going. Uh, we have Anthony Walker rolling in with some some um, camo pants, the black and red shoes that match his 27 Georgia jersey to honor Nick Chubb. I love the fit on my end. I'm, I'm giving that a solid 9 just because of the Nick Chubb love. Uh, yeah. What do you got? Yeah, I like the fit. He's pulling off the camo. I love the nod to mm. Nick as well. Okay. The only thing I'm going to say about this is – who is this? This is Anthony Walker. I knew his name was Anthony. His beard is awful. Oh, man. I as love a, that beard. I know. As a hairdresser, it needs tapered in. Yeah. 
So if any of you listeners have a beard like this, please go get it tapered by your hairdresser. You'll know what that word means. All right, keep going. Uh, there is uh, Dorian Thompson-Robinson that did not go the way we hoped it would go, but but that's a suit. He is rocking a very, I mean, I think we may have three buttons undone on that undershirt, uh, black underneath. I'm not sure what is the print on that suit. Can you zoom in? So, so we get some skulls on that thing? Yep. That is, um, that, he's wearing that suit. He's rock. I mean, I'm giving him like a nine and a half on that suit. Mm. You don't like this, the print on that or what? I'd give him a nine if he performed better. Yeah, well, that's a tough scene. I do. I appreciate it. Again, the confidence is there, and I love a good skull. Um, I'm going to give him a seven out of ten, though. Hmm. Okay, seven, maybe a nine if he played better. And then we have DPJ, DPJ, who is very adventurous. You you take the reins on this one. Yeah, I mean, he's got like a black um, sweater on, and it's got some light blue and yellow uh design on it i love it i would wear this for myself the pants not so much um if you're able to see it in the story they look fine from the front a little bit but then you get the back angle and it looks like he i'm gonna cuss shit himself um so that's it's like someone spray painted down the front of them yeah yeah it's interesting but again they probably cost a lot of money so Mm. i love i love the sweater He's always adventurous, and I love his style too, but this one's like a 7 out of 10 yeah, for me. not great. Yeah. All right, is that it? Last one? That's it. Okay, well, that's the end of Fit Check Round mm-hmm. 2. We'll keep doing these throughout the year. They're, they're Again, they're more fun when th- these guys win, so we'll hope that they win. Um, they got the bye week, so maybe we won't have one next week because of the bye, but then we can we can come back. People have asked for you to grade the uniform, so they wore the orange oh. pants with the brown top and the white sock. Yep, that is the uniform right there. One of the favorites of the fan base, the orange pants. Uh, usually they wear those against AFC North teams, so Steelers, Ravens, and Bengals. Okay. Um, they have, you know, to look at the other combinations to remind you, sometimes they'll wear the white pants yeah. with those, like right there, which I that's the traditional mm-hmm. Browns look that I love. Uh, then, you know, you get the all-white, and then sometimes it'll be white on top, brown pant below. Uh, that's, that's the fit. They did wear the white helmets to give you some perspective on what they've worn, just to remind you. They had the all-white in Pittsburgh. So, uh, what's your what's your vibe on the orange pant, brown top combination? Yeah, I mean, I love I love some color, so I appreciate the orange pant. Um, I think it's great. I like the white on white yeah. the most. I feel the all like, white which, is the best. Yeah, uniform those white helmets are really sick too. Yeah. But um, eight out of ten. Eight out of ten. That's fair. All right, Kelby. Thanks for your time. My pleasure. On round two of fit check. We will be back. Get your All-22 Comprehensive Breakdown podcast for your Tuesday. Uh, It's not fun. Not a fun game. There's a lot to dissect and talk about. We're going to try to cover all of it during this lead-up to the bye Sunday before we shift our focus to San Francisco. So there's a lot to break down, a lot to cover. You'll get plenty of information in the coming days on your OBR Film Breakdown podcast. So thanks for being here. Rate and review the pod if you can. And join the OBR only $1 for your first month. Take advantage of those opportunities, guys. Thanks again for stopping by. Have a great Monday, and go Browns.
Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.